I'm Marcela. I want to be a dog in the future. Um. <laughs> how, how, how. <laughs> oh. Uh, that's a cat. No, no, it's not a cat. It's like weird. Okay, okay, my turn. Uh, my name is Raúl Aguilar, and I'm a painter. Alright. Yeah. What did you say? And the Pisces. Um, and we're talking about let's say the, the three together. The show, the name of the show, one, two, three. State the state of our employability. Okay, one, two, three. The state of our employability. Hey, this is Marx, and you're listening to a special episode of Into This Podcast. Today, I'm talking to Raul Aguilar and Marcela Borges about the show named The State of Our Employability, which opened last Friday in a TAP Art Space, which is the new space in town. Um, I am running the space, which uh, I'm really happy about. And quickly, I'll tell you that um, we'll happily be uh, running the space for longer than I expected. I had the lease for only a couple of months, but I talked to my landlord and he finally decided that he was on board with us and that he is allowing me to continue the project, which makes me really, really happy. Um, and I wanted to say uh, thanks so, so much to everybody who came to the opening last Friday. And uh, I hope that you enjoy this episode. I think it's really fun. It's uh, It gets really personal because they're my friends, really good friends. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it, it's a conversation between friends. You can expect talking about the show, but also talking about the space and talking about my involvement in the arts, which makes me a little bit cringy, but it's out there. All right. So... Again, thanks so much for showing up to the opening, to everybody who did. And if you didn't, we'll be opened on Wednesdays from 6 to 10 and by appointment. So just, just uh, go to the website, tap, T-A-P, Montreal.com. And uh, there's a form there where you can just uh, email us and I'll, I'll be there to open the, uh, the space for you at the times that is specified in the website as well. So... I hope that you enjoy this conversation. It's a little bit different than my normal interviews. So, you know, it's good for a change. All right. Thanks so much for listening. And please leave a review on whichever app you use to listen to this. Or if not, just enjoy this. And thanks so much for listening. And I will talk to you at the end of this. Enjoy. Today I was also listening about that in the 60s, any show in kind of like a, some other place that was not, or maybe it was a gallery, but it was like an underground kind of gallery. They used to call them like happenings, yeah. like never like really shows or anything. Cause like, you know, when everything was happening, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah. And for performance, for example, not, not every artist, not every performance artist at the beginning of performance mm -hmm. called it a performance. Right. I think that has become um, the more generalized term for performance. But uh, at the beginning, 
Some people made a big difference of what happening was. For example, Alan Capro, he was one of the guys that was working with happening. Uh, he really, he really talked in those terms to, because he was very concerned about blurring the division between art and life. Right. Uh, so I guess like uh, adding that uh, time dimension to artworks was important and like action in general, mm -hmm. like adding action to, to art mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. important to, to make an emphasis on that. Yeah. Thinking, for example, Jiri uh, Kowanda, also in the 60s, I think he also called what he was doing happenings. And I think it was mostly because there was no expectator. Mm. So he would do this kind of interventions in life in which he would just change his usual routine for one minute or may, sometimes it was less than one minute and then continue his normal life. He would not take pictures or anything. He would go back to his studio and write about it. Uh -huh. So in that sense, is reducing the action to almost the minimum. So I think in, in, that, in those kind of cases, even the word happening has much more sense than talking about a performance. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. for a, a good example of one of his pieces, he goes into escalators, he's going down, he turns and looks in the eyes of the person who's uh, like behind him. Behind him. And at the end of the escalators, he would go walking to his house. And that's it. So, he did, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, the word happening talks about like some sort of like chance, some sort of like thing that is not completely planned or like, you know, organized or anything like that. Or you think that he had like a plan to make these things happen? I think he maybe, in his case, I think he maybe had a plan. Mm, okay. Because, or, or I mean, I, I, I'm not certain about right, his right, intentions. Right. I, but I, I do know that his last piece of work in a really long time, he was uh, stopped, I think it was like stop doing art. So mm -hmm. his action was, he was talking with his friends mm -hmm. and stopped talking and run away. And he went to his, I guess, probably to his house. And after that, he really disappeared for quite a long time mm -hmm. out of the scene. And I think in the last two, three years, he's been coming back, mm. which is like a pretty long time. Right. I'm not certain about how much is, but I think I would say like 25 years or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then they were talking about the piece, uh, the bed ins, you know, like Yoko Ono and John Lennon going into a hotel and just being in bed, what happened in Montreal. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like the same idea. People didn't think that that was a, an art piece because it was John Lennon and it was like more like a protest for war, which it was also. Mm -hmm. I started thinking about how important is in art history, everything that is happening around a show, around when somebody is doing any work, any type of work. And um, because we're going to talk about the show that is happening, um, I thought that it was a good idea to talk about the context in which this show is happening um, in two ways. The first thing that I'd like to talk about is that the immediate context, which is what's happening with your lives and, uh, you know, how this show came to be. Can I say something else? Yeah. Uh, I think it, and it's something that we've been talking about in relation to this show. I think that the example that you're giving, the the, the John Lennon, Joko Ono in the bed, is uh, related to this idea of work or like the separation of work and life that was being discussed by a lot of people in the in the 60s, like in, in protests especially. Like uh, say, thinking about how work was taking too much space in their lives and life was outside of work. And 
well, we, we really think that has changed a lot, but that discussion really uh, changed a lot of things too. Like changed a lot of ways, uh, changed the way in which we relate to work. And I think it was important to talk about how not being productive was also a way of being. And I think we're in a very different situation right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's nice to have this, that uh-huh. like as a precedent. Precedent, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by this also, it's um, I know that there's a lot of things happening with, with you personally. We know each other pretty well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I know that you, you guys are getting married sometime soon. Congrats on that. Um, and then, <laughs> and then Marcela is finishing a degree, your master's degree at Concordia, and then you, Raúl, you're full on working in your art these days. Yeah. What I mean is you don't have any other jobs mm-hmm. distracting from that stuff. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you if if that informs any ideas that you had for this show. Well, the marriage thing, I don't think so. <laughs> right. I think the marriage thing is just a thing that is happening. Uh, and then the working thing, I, I do believe that it has affected me a lot. Right. Like at least, uh, the last three years I was working in the same company, which I, I really enjoyed the the work there. Mm -hmm. I was working with my friend David and working with your friends is something that you don't do that often. So that was pretty cool. Um, But also trying to do art at the same time as having a full-time job is quite a challenge mm. in the sense of I, I have a relationship with Marcela and I have things to do with my immigration papers. Right. And I also have to work 40, 40 hours a, a week. And I also wanted to do sufficient, like enough art in order to be able to start getting shows. Mm-hmm. So uh, the last three years for me have been pretty crazy in mm-hmm. sense of like trying to, uh, I would say like ju- juggle my time to a point that I managed to be in a place where I could produce often. And yeah, so the last three years I haven't been able to stop thinking about how much time am I am I investing in something that is not what I wanted to be doing mm-hmm. which was my job mm-hmm. and how hard it was to get out of that cycle yeah yeah of like being too tired to do work that it was that I would consider good enough to be able to stop working right right so so wait you yeah. mean that you were waiting for you to make good work for you to decide to stop working not really but like I didn't want it to stop working if I didn't have anything happening. Sure. Like, it's the same thing with doing doing a master's. Like, I didn't want it to do a master's because I didn't know if I was made for doing art. Mm. You know, like, I went out of school and I was doing art when I was in school, and that's amazing. And But, ah. but school is the perfect situation to do it. There's people just telling you what to do. You're sharing with a lot of people who's in the same situation as you. That Like, that means, like, they're starting to do art. And then I went out and I was like, okay, I have to figure out if I can continue doing this after this kind of perfect situation. And I managed to start doing it. Right. I think that we've been talking about lately is the conditions of productivity for each of us. Like uh, I had to really confront myself and think about how 
uh, will I manage to write my thesis, for example? Uh, when will, do I work better? How do I organize my time in a way that I that I like use it ef efficiently? Uh, having more time is not necessarily the best condition to be more efficient. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's that's interesting too, like to think about how certain constraints sometimes help you organize your time better and give you like a some sort of guidance frame, like yeah, a framework. Or frame. yeah mm. yeah i think that happens i mm -hmm. think that uh, at least i know that, that helps me to be really busy with many things mm -hmm. that's when i'm the most efficient i think it's only true in the sense that you forget that you're tired i feel like when you're doing a lot of stuff you get used to a specific sure kind of rhythm rhythm yeah and then you forget that you're tired so you can do all these things yeah. like it's you're like yeah but I don't necessarily think that having a lot of things to do all the time is going to make you truly more productive. More efficient, yeah. Like more efficient, yeah. Mm. Like you're going to do more stuff, but I'm not certain that you're going to do it better. Mm, sure. And I think that's kind of a big difference of like not having to work. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what I've been thinking lately. I was, uh, this week I was count counting the hours. It's the first week that I really count the hours that I spend uh, in the studio versus what I thought I was spending. And when I was working, I mean, being truly honest, I, I think I was maybe putting like 10, 12 hours max a week, a week wow, of okay. work. Sure. Like depending, like if it was right before a show, yeah. I would be there like, like a lot more. But I would also be a lot more tired, which yeah. I'm not sure if it's just going to make me work. Probably it's not going to make me work more efficiently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now I did, let's say, like 36, 37 hours, but I was well rested every day. Right. So those hours were like quite efficient. Quality. Yeah, quality, quality, quality time. time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't work well if I'm tired. Yeah, I, no, don't, no. I cannot think. I, I... But you also, when you were working in your thesis... Whenever you have nothing, nothing else but to do but that, like there's also the problem of like discipline, no? Like if there's no reason to wake up, it's also kind of that's, you that's what we're saying. That's right? what just I having meant, like yeah. more things, it just puts you in a in a position. But it's true, it's true it's that you're more yeah, tired. Yeah. But but I think that it gives you that framework of say like this from this to this, I have to be doing this, and I have no other choice which mm -hmm. is you know I, I mean honestly to be honest at least for me that works really well and i'm seeing it now when i have mm -hmm. like all these projects the podcast thing and also the art space and i have still have my full-time job it keeps a rhythm going which to be really honest i don't know how sustainable it is mm -hmm. that's yeah. the truth too you know like you mm -hmm. need to think about that because you're tired as, as you say like sometimes you're so tired that you cannot really be you know productive you're just like there yeah. yeah you or you die. get sick. Yeah. Or you, <laughs> you get, get sick, sick like you just did. Yeah. So yeah. I just got really sick. Um so where did it come from really the idea of labor and the idea of putting on a show that talks about these specific topics? Marce. Uh, it started with from Raul. Raul mm -hmm. is the one that brought it up. Uh Raul was reading a book that's called the Making of the Indebted Man mm -hmm. by Mauricio Lazarato. And uh, when I was in school, I had a teacher that was super into this topic, which is uh, post for these theories or post for these views 
of artistic work. Uh, so analyzing the work of artists and cultural workers from a post-Fordist perspective or neo-Marxist perspective. Right, right. Um, so we we could start a conversation based on our experiences on or our readings of, of those theories. Mm -hmm. And I also got into reading some of the texts that Raúl was into. Yeah, so it started from there and from wanting to do something together. All right, yeah, yeah. 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 Because, like, at least in my in my uh, particular experience, lately I've been thinking or, yeah, thinking and trying to do work that is a little bit uh, louder. Okay. Like, we were discussing this the other day. Like, I think most of what I was doing is pretty quiet. Right. And there's a lot of things that I read and I think, and I think sometimes you get lost in, mm -hmm. like, when I'm doing art. Sure. So I was trying to start putting a little bit more content in what I do. You mean you mean louder as in yeah, exactly like content. Yeah, uh, and also more direct. Direct yeah. content. Uh what about the, the the figure, the figuration, like the visuals? How oh you, the visuals how do you find that, yeah. I think the visuals are really depend on the topic. Yeah. And I think that's something that I try to do is really open the scope of the kind of type of imagery that I can use mm -hmm. or like strategy, I would say, that I could use to produce work. Yeah. But I think that was from before. I think this this idea of this show is trying to be a little bit more direct. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think in order to do that, I was thinking like, at the originally I was like, oh, I'm going to do this project alone. But then when you told me like, oh, you want to you mm -hmm. do the first show? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm not sure. It was a short notice. Yeah, yeah. It was and like then a month. I yeah. thought, like, I'm not going to be able to read and understand all that I'm reading right now right. without having someone who can help me and through the whole steps. And I, like, so I asked Marcela, yeah. you want to do this with me? Yeah. And I really enjoyed the experience of working together. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, this thing is really new for me. And even this like the, this, in, these topics uh, are pretty, okay. like I never, this is something that I was reading on my time, extra time. Uh -huh. uh, and I know that like Marcelo's background is much more directed towards like a philosophy in general. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning I was like, okay, I really need you to explain me this. And then at a certain point it was like, uh, why, why would I not just do it with her? Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. And I think in general, uh we we accompany each other's like process a lot like uh, read each other's work and comment on each other's work and uh i think we we've gotten pretty good at that uh, like at not be feeling uh yeah feeling comfortable with the comments of one another and and helping each other that way Yeah, mm -hmm. and and you say that marriage has nothing to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's not. Okay, it's true. Yeah, so. you can have a lot of things. To do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's true. It's true. Well, it I mean, true. of it course. True. I mean, you know, and you're not so close to anybody as you are with Marcela. And I think that any ideas that you probably have, and you're talking to Marce, all these ideas are probably flourishing too, and like being developed. I think that's a very special thing for this show that it it comes from that intimacy. Of, of the two of you being who you are. 
Yeah, that doesn't mean that we agree in everything. Of course, of course. That, like, I mean, it's, it's a marriage again. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to agree in like <laughs> most of the things. That is yeah. true. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. also, it's mostly like, I'm not that good working with people, with right. other people. Right. Like I really like to do my stuff mm-hmm. and I like to do it alone and everything. But this time it really, like it really worked well. Right. So in, in the sense of uh, thinking about what kind of, paintings you were going to do and all that were you Marse involved also in the thinking of okay so maybe we can think about these uh you know figures or this type of uh, imagery yeah so we dis- we we discussed that maybe if we wanted to make it more like content based the best way was going to be to work with different forms of like representations of information mm-hmm. so I was accompanying the the process of like the sketching more and saying like to put take this out, put this in, and like maybe uh, more from an outside view. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we started from there, like thinking, okay, we wanted to be heavy on text, uh, which I don't always like, but I thought like for for the sake of this of of this exhibition, this project, it had to be heavy on text mm-hmm. and finding ways to to make that relate to form too. Like to play with the relationship text form. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was the the point of departure of what the exhibition was going to look like. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a general sketch. That was a general sketch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that was kind of the way, even in the terms in which we spoke when we said, okay, we're going to do this. Right. Uh, I definitely have more experience than Marcella uh, doing visuals, right. just because I don't think you've ever done that much related to that not really no no, no not painting or drawing or even mm-hmm. like let's say designing in the computer or something right yeah. i think yeah how did it feel because you have a painting <laughs> i'm working on a painting now and it's like going back maybe to getting married thing yeah mm-hmm. it's it's funny to see how i'm i kind of imitate a lot of things that i see in raul well yeah. also i'm working based on a sketch that raul draw okay mm-hmm. So like the style is there, but but it's it's just just funny. Yeah. Uh, and of course, like I consider as tools for me things that I've seen Raúl do. Mm-hmm. So like when we decided what format it was going to be, we w- my choices were based on things that I had already seen in Raúl's studio. Right. Mm-hmm. So was it, is it going to be like this painting or like this other uh-huh. painting? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, So, no, yeah. but it's, it's mm-hmm. great to have like a reference too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially if you're not really used to doing this. No, it's yeah. It's not fair to ask you to like, just do, just make no. a painting. Yeah. No, it's fun. And Raul, I think Raul is a good teacher. Yeah. Yeah. He he was very encouraging and yeah. he was very excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm still really excited. I want to, I want to see how it's going to look at the end. Yeah. 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 Raul kept saying like, I just want to see what you do because I'm sure it's going to be super different than what I would have done. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I th- for, for me, it's something about like, I, I've been painting for now, let's say like, let's say seven years, seven, eight years. So yeah. seven, eight years of doing the same thing, you not only gain like a lot of like, Like experience uh-huh. or even yes. confidence or skill yeah. or skill uh-huh. but you also gain all these things that kind right. of fixations i think yeah, yeah. The fixation is the word you get all these fixations that even when you're really consciously trying to avoid they come back mm. so and when you see someone who never painted mm-hmm. in their life 
or they, it's been a really long time since they <laughs> painted, let's say, call it said six, seven years since right. you painted anything. Six, seven years since I painted? No, I was six, seven years old. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, okay. let's say like 20 years since you painted. Then it's quite surprising the fact that they don't have any of those things. Right. They don't have any of those little fixations. They just uh -huh. like go quite straight Free. forward. Yeah. 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 And that's just fascinating. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, in the grand scheme of things, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think that it's also very important to situate this show in like what's happening in a macro scale. Like, mm -hmm. okay, so like, what what kind of things are you guys like being influenced by in terms of like news, in terms of like politics, and and all these things that are like very present these days and I don't know if it's it's a it's a factor of our age mm -hmm. maybe we're a lot more engaged now you mm -hmm. probably you guys were probably a lot more engaged since you were younger than me but I feel like these days for me are really um, active in terms of like you know talking about politics and being really like almost uber aware of like the social issues mm -hmm. and and you know all these things that are very important I think to to to, to be careful with and to be present with you know mm -hmm. Well, I think in that same horizon, there's like a particularly for art, there's a lot of people doing art. And mm -hmm. I think like this is a great moment for artists uh, in terms of like the professionalization of, of art. Right. And uh, but at the same time, uh, that doesn't necessarily open more space for art as a political tool or things like that. I don't necessarily think that this is like a, a heavy political statement. I think it's more like a we wanted to think about these things and we took the opportunity just to think about them. It's a commentary. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and it's more for ourselves. Right. Like for, yeah. Yeah, I think that's important to say that you guys mm. are not really trying to start like a research project. Or I mean, no. a, in an, an extent research project, which is very important to to differentiate. It's oh. a research project for you. It's like a personal project. Yeah, it's yeah. like a personal research. I yeah. would call it research. Yeah? So okay, but I think it's it's a research for ourselves. Mm -hmm. I've been feeling kind of disappointed lately about mm. art. Uh, How so? Mainly about like this things going on around art fairs like these events around art that are uh, directed to selling art mm -hmm. i know that's an important part of art i know if we want to live off art uh, we we have to work with that mm -hmm. but uh, that's not where art stops or begins or mm -hmm. like art is is more than that yeah so it's it's important to to explore other it, it is a it's a big paradox i understand mm -hmm. that because i've been trying to get it um get a clean narrative in my mind out of that specific factor and i haven't been able to reconciliate both things yet mm -hmm. because as you said it's, it's necessary and mm -hmm. it's a market and 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 it's an industry and it needs to exist for yeah as you said like for people to continue to do it mm -hmm. And it's great that there is space in the world for more artists than before and for different kind of artists, not only white men. But you think, <laughs> you think that it's true that it's changing, though? Uh, I, I just think it's bigger. Yeah, okay. But it, it makes sense because we're more. Yeah. 
uh, I don't know. I don't really know what to say about that. Mm. But I, I just think uh, it's nice that there's more circuits for art than there used to be before. Mm-hmm. And also it's nice that there's a lot of pressure for it to change. I think oh, that right. makes a big difference. Uh, having all this pressure coming from a lot of different kind of institutions, or even from people going out from universities or people that are running art-run centers, there's all this pressure of saying like, oh, okay, this, some of these things they need to change. Mm-hmm. But institutions, you think that institutions are being pressured or it comes from institutions as well, that pressure? For instance, I know that the Met mm-hmm. has a very uneven Um, number of men and women artists uh-huh. showing or or the things like that you know like it, there's always like a this unbalanced things from institutionalized places right yeah for mm-hmm. sure and i mean it, it it is something that it's known and i think that is something that they genuinely want to change uh-huh. and i i don't know if it's just a matter of time or or something but um it seems that for this year which is you know It, it seems to be like far away from the time when they realized that that was happening. Not too much has changed. I, I think mean, it maybe maybe the correct way of putting it is like not enough has changed. Right. Mm-hmm. There's right. some there, there, there's there's some stuff that has been changing. Okay. And uh, I'm definitely not saying that that's enough. Yeah. And is yeah. not is is not enough. Uh, but I I think is the those kind of things that uh. I don't know if it's like making a hole into a and a dam mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's gonna be some water filling and the more like the more water that fills the bigger the hole is gonna be and then it's gonna really expand and it's gonna start expanding and okay. everything like that i think it, it's probably gonna work a little bit like that right slowly uh, yeah, yeah slowly yeah. and and i think just i'm not talking for every like male artist yeah Definitely, I'm not talking from every male artist, but I think there's like this whole idea of really recognizing that those things have to change. Yeah. And mm-hmm. in order for those things to change, sometimes you're yourself are going to be in a situation where you're not going to have the privilege of having these things that you right. used to have. Or maybe in my case, I didn't used to have it. I just know that other men used to have it. Like, especially like professionally, because yeah. I, I, I'm yeah. really young in right. this thing. There's all these things that I know that men used to have, and maybe I'm benefiting right now from some of those stuff. Right. That I'm quite conscious about it, and I'm, yeah. Right. So sometimes you have to understand that you're gonna have to be stepping on the side. Yeah. You know, like yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. I want to bring back the conversation to we're talking right now about institutions and all this that is like an, in a macro scale, like we're talking about the global world of art. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something about the macro scale that really uh, informed the sure, yeah. show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think lately there has been a lot of discussion about uh, just work because I think a lot of industries are seeing the effects of automatization. And because of that, people through uh, internet, people start freaking out and saying like, oh, okay, what's going to happen in 10 years? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen mm-hmm. in 20 years? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen in 30 years? In terms of the jobs being disappearing because yeah, yeah things yeah. are going to be automatized. automatized. Yeah, people is really, even myself, like I think like 
what did I study? Did what I study is going to still be relevant in 10 years? Right. Is what I study is going to be relevant in 20 years? My brother is about to start university. Yeah. And I was thinking like, okay, what, 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 what is the thing that he should be studying uh-huh. if he wants to still have a job? Yeah. Let's say like in 10 years. Yeah. I mean, you basically cannot know. Yeah. <laughs> so I think yeah. like there's a part of that kind of cultural phenomena that really stuck in my head and i think that was the main thing that started the driving force for this yeah yeah, Yeah, like like the seed that started saying like okay let's try to start uh reading about this and thinking about what's gonna be the future of this thing yeah uh like like, what was gonna be the, the the future of people when there's not enough work and I think that's like something that it really worries me mm-hmm. and I think everybody should be worried about is like even if you are having a job right now that you have some quite decent income right you have to really think about what is gonna be in a couple of years from now is that job is gonna continue being like useful viable. Or and yeah. viable yeah and if not, what you have to be doing in order to don't become obsolete. Yeah. And that's a lot of like a, like a big stress. Yeah. Even like in my particular situation, I really think that a lot. Yeah, of course, like I don't want to. I mean, art, that seems to be a thing that, you know, like you normally think of a painting as a translation of emotions, right? That's pretty hard to think that, you know, a machine is going to come up and do that for you. I don't really relate that much painting no? with emotion at this point. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, for me, I, I don't. Like, for me, like, like it's a vehicle of something. It could be emotions, but okay. it also could be ideas. Sure, sure, like, sure. Absolutely. Well, like this yeah, show. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It could be ideas or, mm-hmm. yeah. More than, more than just emotions. I think it's like more way than, much more yeah. than more emotions. Right. I think emotions is like a, like an idea that people have when they think, like, like when they think about art. And I think at least in the last 80 years, right. I think art is much, it has been much more than that. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. if we analyze historically, uh, like other eras, we can kind of discover that it was not really emotion. Mm-hmm. In a lot of cases, it was mm-hmm. a lot of politics involved. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, at the mm-hmm. beginning, who can be painted? I mean, which it was like portraits or something like that. Who was painted? Like, you know, royalty yeah. and, and people who could afford it. Af- afford and yeah, afford yeah. to like be a patron of like a Yeah, or an which artist. cities? Like or like cities. all these Italian painters, you're like, oh what the fuck? Like Italy has a lot of really good like skilled painters. Mm-hmm. Like not really. It had like this economic context in which these painters could exist. Right. Because they had all these patrons that would pay for like what these people was doing. Materials. Yeah. yeah or or just yeah, commissions. Yeah. Having yeah. commissions yeah. in order for you to be to like there's probably a lot of like amazing or really skilled artists like yeah. uh, like everywhere. It's just uh, it's just about like uh, context. Who it's had like a chance. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's like yeah. yeah. I think it's the same discussion as like when you see all these men in history books about like all these things that this man did. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, what the fuck? Like men were amazing. Like, it was mostly because those was the people that had the, <laughs> yeah. like it was the only people that had the opportunity yeah. to do this. Yeah. Or that were showcased, or that were written about, or yeah, yeah. just mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. even like just allowed, you or, know, or just which allowed. is mm-hmm. fucking shitty. But anyways, yeah, that's true. But I think this idea about like the future, 
Mm-hmm. It's also nice uh, to think about in terms of like uh, what's special about being human, for example. Uh-huh. Like uh, versus being a machine or versus being another thing. An animal? An animal or another thing, yeah. That's very cool because recently, I don't know if you heard that episode of Freakonomics uh, where they actually asked that question. Mm-hmm. What makes us special? And especially what makes us different than any animal? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like there's so many things that you can say, you know, you can think about in the economy side of things mm-hmm. like trade or like in the other. But you find examples of that in animals, too, mm. which yeah. is, you know, it's gonna yeah. they, they have emotions. They, they, they share they things, things. They communicate. They have conscience of themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah the elephants yeah. can like recognize themselves in the mirror, which is weird. Yeah. It's cool. Oh, oh, dolphins. Dolphins. Dolphins can do that. They have a really intense, like quite complicated language. That's it. Like, you know, some animals rape, some animals mourn mm-hmm. their deaths. There some animals like, they are like monogamous. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also interested in, in how that question opens up to questions of ethics. No, like uh, we're much more humans than any other animals or living thing in the world, probably. Not really. Not really? There's a lot of cows and pigs and chickens. Okay, but... Yeah, domesticated Domesticated, animals. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of humans, especially, maybe, I, I don't know the stats, but the impact of humans on other living things is incommensurable. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's for Definitely. sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, so, how, how do you, how do you pair this idea with this that we're talking about? So like you were thinking about why we are so special as humans and like what makes us different than anything else. So I just think like thinking about the future work uh-huh. or where our our role, uh, yeah, what our roles will be if if automatization kicks in like big time. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I think it would also require like a deep ethical thinking. Mm-hmm. 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 We'll yeah. see it in like a small. We're seeing it. We're seeing. I mean, it. like it's you know all the uh, there's there's like so many apps that can make you more efficient, for instance, or things like that. Oh. Like you know that you didn't have before. Um, yeah. But I think that to get to big time automatization, I think it was still a little bit far. Not far, but I think that it takes a little bit of like some generations. I believe. I don't know. I feel that the resources to make that global uh-huh. are still pretty. Oh, yeah. I like I, I like I'm not thinking in global terms. Okay, because yeah. like I think that's the other part of the whole discussion that we've been having about the work. Uh, believing that there's only one kind of work, it's a mistake. I want only one conception of work. It is a mistake because it really depends or in the in in the in, in which context are we talking about? In which right. place are we talking from? Here, I think we're really talking. We're Mexicans, but we're really talking from Montreal. Sure, I wouldn't. I would not try to talk about what's the working conditions in Mexico because I've just been living here seven oh, years. Yeah. No, I for sure. Really... No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're talking about, you know, developed countries maybe, or even within the developed countries, the top, top, top percent, which has the resources to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also yeah. like some cities. Yeah. To be honest, there's some cities yeah. like I think Montreal is one of them, maybe Toronto, Vancouver, San Francisco, LA, mm-hmm. New York. Like those mm-hmm. are the cities where a lot of these things is happening. Right. And there's a lot of these other contexts of where a lot of people live where we don't really know because mm-hmm. they're like smaller towns or still much more like industrial directed places. Right. 
But I do think that we're going to start be we're going to be able to see some of those stuff yeah. only because yeah, so automatization accelerates more automatization. Right. So I think saying yeah, maybe yeah, saying a couple of generations is going to be full automatization, but even right now I think in if we live until we're 60, we're definitely going to be seeing a world that we will like is going to be hard to recognize through the eyes of 2018. Uh I mean I think we're pretty bad also at predicting stuff. Oh yeah, but <laughs> I'm not. I I would. It, I'm all, already thinking this is. This is for sure is gonna happen. Yeah, I don't know the specificities of how, how it's gonna look, but uh, I'm pretty certain that we're gonna see it. Yeah, and we don't die. When you were talking about your brother deciding what to study because mm -hmm. he's gonna start college. I was talking to one of my colleagues and we we're saying that the golden time for chemistry was between probably 97 and 2002. And that's, that's when we were deciding what to study. Mm -hmm. And so we decided to do that because there was a lot of, there was a boom in like pharmaceuticals and stuff like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're like, yeah, I mean, that's going to be a good opportunity for me. Now it's not the same. Like mm -hmm. 10, 12 years after is definitely not the same. And it's exactly that thing. Like you cannot really predict may as well do something that you really like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But anyways, um, I'm going to just go back completely to the topic of the show. Yeah. When you talk about cultural workers, mm -hmm. can you define that a little bit better? Like, who are you talking about? My turn? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, we're talking about people, I think we could start saying like artists. Sure. Uh, like our peers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also just people that it works around the like cultural industries. It mm -hmm. could be people that works in galleries, people that intern in galleries, people that's trying to do projects like the one you're doing mm -hmm. or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And in general, people that is aiming to have a job in the cultural industry. That's what we mean when we talk about cultural workers. Right. And of course, like we're quite biased because we are into like contemporary art but i think we could pretty ad much adapt it to like other disciplines like yeah. cinema music Definitely. stuff like that yeah yeah Literature. i think yeah all that yeah mm -hmm. exactly mm -hmm. even like social sciences writing for uh -huh. newspapers i think all this thing mm -hmm. it really fits in the same yeah. category like anthropology sociology like people mm -hmm. that work in those fields i mean that i, I just i just haven't think about it so right. well in mm -hmm. those in those terms yeah. So I, yeah, and maybe even like people that work in yeah information technology, like in Silicon Valley, like mm. that they're doing creative work. Mm -hmm. in oh yeah, science. that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. True. Mm -hmm. yeah. Also, the like the term of creative work yeah, is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that I think, I honestly most of the literature that you find in this topic is more directly to this kind of uh, knowledge workers. Mm. I think we're just kind of adapting it to cultural workers too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think, like I say, most of the literature that people wrote about this uh, kind of group of people is mostly directed to the knowledge economy. Knowledge based economy. And I think the term is like the cognitariat, mm. which is like a people that, that work in a high skill yeah. uh, labor. Mm -hmm. and, and so also the title of the show, The State of Our Employability. Mm -hmm. uh, it's our, as in artists, our, as in Raul and Marcela. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. As in cultural workers, as in interns, as in uh, 
standing in a weird margin between student and worker and uh, waiting Comed- for uh, legal status. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Comedians. 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 Like Nancy. Like Nancy. <laughs> Hi, Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 at the end, I think I really relate to what the kind of work that comedians do with mm-hmm. what we do. I think so. I mean, honestly, crazy. I, I think I told you, and yeah. I think it's, it's, it's worth sharing this idea that um, a little bit of the idea of opening this space, it was to offer the opportunity also to artists to have something that comedians have, which is these small venues where they can go and try ideas that they have yeah. and to see how they themselves react, how the material works mm-hmm. and all this. And I think there's not too much about that for visual arts. And I feel sometimes mm-hmm. that when you get a show, for instance, in an artist-run center, mm-hmm. you got to go all out because that's your chance to show your work and, and, and that's your chance to like do things. And I think that when there's a little bit of less stakes in the work, you are more free and you're probably a little bit more willing to take chances or am I not correct? Oh, I think for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Like every time I went to see an artist who was his first show, big show in any gallery, you're right. I would try to think what I would do yeah. if I was in, in his shoes. And I always think like, oh, I would go all the way. Uh-huh. Like I would put all the effort into this. I would <laughs> like do this like grand like stuff. And uh, in reality, you're probably just really nervous. Yeah. And you're going to do like what is in your disposition of time yeah. and probably money and also like mental health. Yeah. Like if you're really stressed, <laughs> you're going <laughs> to be hard for you to think about something really amazing. Right. But, uh, or maybe no, maybe you're just like my yeah. giver and you're just like, oh, like great. This is amazing art. <laughs> but yeah, we talked about how. Uh, the the nature of this space like kind of highlights a part of art that's very interesting that part of like the research that you can do in art doesn't necessarily need to be exhaustive or that doesn't submit to uh, scientific research uh, parameters Mm -hmm. it's very exploratory and it can bring out interesting things Mm -hmm. And I think that what what we're trying to do is is in that direction, and I think that that it's one of the most beautiful things of art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can research things or you can like dig into questions from a perspective that doesn't need to give concrete answers right, right. when yeah when when i was uh, I was studying uh, international relations, which is considered like a social science, right I could see all these people in social science who were trying to do research that really approach or got like approach to uh to a scientific research mm-hmm. they were even they were at a certain point they were treating it like that and i could see like oh this is not really like that <laughs> um and i think sometimes in art it also happens that people really is trying to do this thing that really gets close to the kind of research that they do in social sciences and to be honest, I don't think it's needed. Mm-hmm. Like art by itself is its own thing. And we have to profit from the advantages of doing it this way. Yeah. And it has its ways of asking questions. And we, yeah. it, like, 
it's it's nice to to work with those ways. Mm-hmm. You mean like rather than trying to make it fit into the structure of a social science research, <laughs> just let it be whatever it is. I think it can fit, but I think it also has its own ways, mm-hmm. which are like it's not one or the other, or and its own advantages. Its own right. advantages, yeah. I think that, yeah, I think that's it. That, that's the thing. Like when you mm-hmm. do research, you're trying to see, like even like yourself, like even mm-hmm. when you when you when you're doing a thesis, you're trying to see which methodology are you gonna use, mm-hmm. and depending on which methodology is which kind, and depending which one, kind of research you're doing is which kind of methodology you're gonna use, right. and depending which methodology, the kind of results that you get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. Yeah. And I feel sometimes uh, using art. And I think that's one of the main, main kind of difficulties of art is like sometimes people is trying to use art and is judging it in matter of how well did you manage to communicate specific things. And I think that's something that is closer to design and is closer to other disciplines. Hmm. And I think you can use that. You can decide like I'm going to this time I'm going to be much more like a designer. And Mm -hmm. I think there's some amazing things done in art that had that approach. Mm -hmm. Uh, but my point is, that's not the only way. Right. Like you cannot judge a piece of art only in their capability of communicating this specific idea. Of course. Or uh, being beautiful or... Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Et cetera. No. And also, like, one painting, one artwork, it's is never by itself. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it can never be just one thing. It's never in a completely controlled environment. And, like, despite being in a white box, I think it's... There's always some level of openness, mm-hmm. and uh, we have to acknowledge that and make the most of it. Right. Yeah. Right. There's yeah. some there's something quite nice about art, like its openness, mm-hmm. about like you're making questions which you're not sure that you're gonna have an answer. Mm-hmm. That is quite nice. Mm-hmm. And I think other disciplines, uh, other sciences, are not so welcoming to that. And uh, I think that's something quite. Uh, positive about art yeah that's a very interesting idea that's mm-hmm. a very interesting idea because uh, yeah it's true at least in the scientific world um well i guess like not having an answer it is an answer mm-hmm. you know like for for many projects that yeah i also been involved too mm-hmm. but normally you work towards like finding that and you mm-hmm. don't rest yeah. until you find something that resembles to an answer mm-hmm. and yeah it's true that in art i mean that doesn't necessarily has to be the end point Yeah. of the of the project. And besides art welcoming uncertainty, I think uncertainty or that openness is inviting in itself. I know not everyone feels that way, but for me that I'm not an artist and that I'm into art, that openness, not being taken by the hand always and not being told exactly what to see or where to see or what to get from it is is probably the most inviting part of art. That's exactly why we're not talking about specific pieces. Because of that, it's on purpose. That we're not talking about, okay, so what what do you do in this painting? Or like, what do you mean here? I don't think that that adds any value to... to But there's also this part that even if we have a very clear idea in mind, Mm -hmm. we cannot succeed at doing it. Right. Or we can succeed at saying things that we didn't mean to. Mm-hmm. Right. We can be more transparent than we mean to or just have unintended uh, consequences. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, 
you as a viewer will see a piece and you'll project like so many more things than whatever you as an artist try to. And that's great. Yeah, I mean, of course. And we're not saying that that's the only way. I think that's the other part. Like Mm -hmm. we're talking about openness in art and we're not saying like, because I think there's also this ideal of the artist, which is really open, like really like whatever happens is good, Uh et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. which I don't particularly agree. Okay. I just thinking all these things can exist inside the whole concept of art. Yeah. Like it really, it's a matter of choice. Yeah. You decide to be doing art that is more related to that yeah. or like art that is more related to that. Well, like, it's probably like a spectrum. There's, there's always like going to be a degree of. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right because yeah, maybe honestly at the beginning of my discovery of art, I don't know if you remember, but I would, mm-hmm. I would ask you, let's go to the museum together mm-hmm. and let's talk about it because I don't know how to dissect this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to even see these things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, what should I be looking at? And it's true. Like, it's a spectrum. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. get everything. You get, yeah. like, from all, you know, angles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, you can go and see a piece of... Like, like because right now we're talking about painting, let's say. Like, you go and see a piece of, uh, like, a painting by uh, Nicolas Grenier. Yeah. And you think, like, okay, this is... It's, it's quite beautiful, but it's also pretty much like engaging or yeah. cerebral. And mm-hmm. You have to read what he's writing there and he, yeah. you have to try to understand it. Yeah, follow the schemes. Uh, follow the schemes. Yeah. Uh, regardless of how it looks, there's yeah. this information there that is, yeah, mm-hmm. it's trying to like to stimulate your brain mm-hmm. in a specific way versus this other painter. Let's talk about like, um, like uh, Mathieu Bouchard. He, mm-hmm. When he, you go and see what he does, it's much more about the whole physicality of the painting mm. or the way he relates like sensoriality. with sensoriality. Sensoriality, exactly. <laughs> yeah, more sensoriality Sensorial. of painting. Mm-hmm. And they're completely different approaches. Yeah. And those approaches can exist in the same kind of uh, concept of art. Yeah, they're both great painters. <laughs> amazing they're painters. amazing painters. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so um, we're talking about neo-Marxist approaches and I think that it's kind of important to define what do you take from that Mm -hmm. to put in this show like what's what kind of uh, you know concepts or ideas okay so um, Marxism Marx uh, (laughs) is 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 very charged so it's it's important to talk about it we agree we are not talking about a political uh, approach or an economic approach specifically we're talking about it mostly from the perspective of philosophy as a series of conceptual tools to think about mainly work and uh, the production of subjectivity or like a sense of self or a way of being in the world in relation to work mm-hmm. and uh, of things being in the world in relation to to how they are made and how they're distributed so that's a uh, Marxist way of analyzing okay. uh, the world. Right. Uh, yeah. Can I intervene? What, what, what you were saying, it was like, a, let's say, these philosophical perspectives are creating these different categories of the world yeah. in mm-hmm. which we can see it. And uh, specifically in the term, in the case of historical materialism, it's about the way in which this category in which we would analyze, like this concept with tools in which we would analyze it, is in... How material conditions define... Yeah, how, yeah exactly. Things. How material, yeah, how, how material conditions define things and also how material conditions de- define the subject. And, yeah. 
and how things are distributed because this is also like a, another Marxist category uh, that it has permeated a lot of disciplines and philosophical approaches is uh, the sense of class, right? Mm -hmm. We don't mm -hmm. really talk about that clearly, but that's like a classic Marxist heritage right. thing. Uh, a neo-Marxist approach means to think about these things in conditions of work where we're not only talking about doing things, we're talking about producing meaning, we're talking about producing symbols, we're talking about different interactions between people that were not thought of before and between things and different distribution of things. Can we go back? Yeah. So for in order to be more like mm -hmm. understandable, mm -hmm. yeah, going a little bit, yeah, <laughs> going back a little bit when we were talking about categorization. Yeah. So again, so this philosophic, this philosophical perspectives help uh, or try to create these categories and in which we're going to try to understand the subject in society. And I think the main category that Marx, the Marxism introduced was the category of class. And he was saying how class define the way we relate between each other, the, yeah, basically that, the way mm -hmm. we would relate between each other. And things, the way things are distributed. And also, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. the, the way things are distributed. And I think in general, when we talk about like uh, neo-Marxist theories, the concept of, of class, the, the, the thing that neo-Marxist theories, the theorists mm -hmm. uh, introduce is like the concept of class is not the only concept that we're going to take in consideration. Mm. And to be honest, different authors start taking different categories. Okay. So for example, in the case of Mauricio Lazzarato, he decides to stop seeing class as the main like, kind of tool mm -hmm. or category in which to try to understand like the subject and the world and objects. But he starts seeing the concept of depth as the way to understand the subject. Mm -hmm. So in Mar Mauricio Lazzarato's uh, writing, you can find, the, and that's why it's called like uh, the making of the indebted man. Mm -hmm. So for him, like the main... Uh, category in which he's going to analyze the world is the category of debt. Mm -hmm. Are you in debt or you are not in debt? Are you mm -hmm. a debtor or a creditor? Mm -hmm. So he separates the world in those terms. Right. But uh, you can find different writers and different writers have like a different perspective. Right. So, uh, and overall, over like different kind of literature, you can also find this really kind of interesting concept about labor, mm -hmm. about how labor has changed and how that change has, like we can see how that change uh, has affected ourselves in, in relating to the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. So in the mm -hmm. text that, like I think, like Marcel and me, we're writing a text that is going to be accompanying yeah. the show. Yeah. And without saying too much, it, it really goes, I think, a step by step on mm -hmm. all these new conceptions right. of the world. Another thing that I think it's important that I was talking a little bit in the beginning is that whereas for traditional Marxism there's a separation of life and work mm -hmm. uh, that starts to become much more blurry in the last few decades, let's say. So I think that neo-Marxism is thinking about that, like the nature of work or subjectivity in relation to work when work and life are not clearly separated. Mm -hmm. 
And we mm-hmm. see that in many ways, like uh, the Google work dynamic where you can play ping pong and right. work at the same time or working from home. So it's not really clear if you're working or watching TV or mm-hmm. like having like if you have, you're on your pajamas, if you're mm-hmm. if it's leisure time or work time or just having your cell phone. Being like, able to be reached anytime by mm-hmm. email or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, so work hours are not clear. Right. Yeah, I think that that's one of the things that neo Marxist theories are trying to put I see. in mm-hmm. evidence is like uh, for like in tri- classical Marxist theory, yeah. there's like a separation of humans at work mm-hmm. and humans outside of work. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, neo Marxist theory is really saying like though that line is pretty blurred mm-hmm. in the context of like. You never really at this point, and there's like a lot of writing about that specific. Like yeah. as soon as you start reading about it, there's this whole universe of other, like uh, like uh, writers that don't not necessarily talk about that straightforward, but is related to that mm-hmm. about uh, how like you never go out of it. That's why, at least in Marius Lazarato's case, he talks about production of subjectivity, and that's why the the concept of production of sub- subjectivity is so important because. Like uh, subjectivity is something that's gonna follow you every way around. Mm-hmm. Like, you, like if you're working in, in, in your in your working space or not, that kind of thing is gonna follow you around. Uh, so yeah, today the concept of work has evolved in a way that is not clear when you're working or when you're not. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the responsibilities of trying to get a job mm-hmm. fall directly on you. Mm-hmm. You are the one that are gonna be responsible of. Of being employable, mm-hmm. you're the responsible of being attractive towards this places to find like a job, mm-hmm. right? And I think that cultural work, going back to to that concept, uh, is is very much caught up in that in that blurriness of mm-hmm. the separation of life and work. So I can really think about, for example, when I was working as a teacher. Uh, There was a time when I was teaching and then my home time, my time out of work, was a time when I was uh, grading tests or preparing for a next class and things like that. And for example, in a, in a painting, you might put in like an approximate of hours that you put in the, the, the work, but maybe you're not putting how much it costs you to go to New York to see art shows Definitely. or things like that. Or, or, or like just the time that you spend thinking about it or like viewing things, you know, mm-hmm. like seeing things to, you know. Yeah. That is going to inevitably, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly, be part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the time you use, the amount of time you use networking. Yeah. Networking. Something, so yeah, yeah. yeah. The, all those things. I think in those cases it's pretty evident when we talk about all this immaterial labor that you do that you're in, like is there. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you're like, okay, I'm gonna go to this vernissage, mm-hmm. and I particularly am not that good. Like at going, what? like at going to a vernissage as a job. Like I, like for me, it's more like I go because I want yeah. to go, and yeah. sometimes I just want yeah. to get drunk. <laughs> But like, <laughs> there's this like, concept of like. Yeah. You're going there and you're presenting Network. and you're presenting yourself uh-huh. and you're networking. I don't like the idea. I don't like I, I actually hate it a lot. Yeah. But I cannot deny it. Like that's there. That's something that's going to be happening. And that's something that I think in a way it's expected. And that in a way, like you are a product in yourself, not only your work, but you. Yeah. Yeah. You Raul. 
Definitely. Yeah, you're yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, are, uh-huh. yeah, you're, yeah. you're like mm-hmm. uh, the other day we were having this conversation. Like you, you, you're selling a brand. You're right. selling a brand. Of, yeah. Like this is what I do. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Like, and that's yeah. it. Uh, when you're finishing a graduate program at McGill, there's like these things that they offer for you. It's like brand yourself, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. how to like market yourself and things like that. Because it is part of that too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's part of a of of the whole labor mm-hmm. market. Like mm-hmm. pitch your idea and things like that. Things like how that, to pitch yeah. your idea in three minutes, or even just how to write your CV. Mm-hmm. Or like things yeah. like that are like completely, you know. How to write your CV for yeah. teaching, how to write yeah, your CV exactly. for these other exactly. things. Exactly, yeah. the specific industries. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, some people have more time than other people in checking your CV. If you're like, Or are more concerned for other things. Exactly, other. Yeah. a specific content of whatever you need Or to form. communicate. Exactly. Yeah, how to make an interview. Style. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. practice for your interview. Exactly. There's all mm-hmm. these techniques that yeah. you have to follow in order to be yeah. like a good... But it's true that, you know, vernissages are that for some people. And I was talking to to Janet Werner mm-hmm. and, and I was telling her that in vernissages, sometimes I like to talk to the artists about the art. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what? You're yeah. doing that? I was like, and I was like, no wonder why nobody wants to talk to me anymore. I think when it's a ver- your vernissage, yeah. you're really expecting for people to go and ask you. Yeah. Like you have to practice. Like, you're yeah, working. Yeah. If you're it's working. your you vernissage, you're yeah, working, sure. I yeah. think. You have to get ready and be like, okay, people's going to ask me yeah. about this thing. Yeah. Like if I go and say like, ah, oh, I don't know, like you're going to... Yeah. Yeah. This this is what we're doing here. We're like we we're bouncing ideas so that, you know, at least I am ready to answer some some of the questions that people may have for the show. <laughs> it's oh, part yeah, of the sure. professionalization of art. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Like that's the thing though. When you said that, I <laughs> felt kind of like weird because I'm not a professional. And I also wonder how is these kind of things. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm a professional in something else. You're not a professional. But you're a pro. But you're really professional. <laughs> At my work, no, at my no, real uh, work. everything you do. I think there's like being professional is a strategy in life. Like a lifestyle? It's a <laughs> lifestyle, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> being professional is a lifestyle. Like, you can be a professional and not being professional. Right. Because professional is a lifestyle. Well, I, I would say like, I would consider myself in the arts, yeah. uh, like a yeah. person that is learning and trying to do it like the best that I can. Definitely. I, yeah. I'm doing that. I'm the same thing then. No, because you're you're in school. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like you know, and that and that, but that's the thing, right? That's what is kind of like interesting. Like, where do you erase that line mm-hmm. of like needing a degree for you to be considered a professional in something? Yeah. Especially in the arts, you know. Yeah, and then it's not only a degree; it's having the experience also. Yeah. Well, I mean, I w- I would definitely. Uh, Choose experience over a degree. Anyways, what I'm yeah. saying, what I'm mm-hmm. just asking really is, um, uh, and I, I really ask these questions like very, very honestly. Do you as artists and people involved in the arts feel like me opening this space, am I like jumping any lines? Am I like crossing lines that, you know, in the art world should not be crossed in terms of like okay so you're trying to have this thing when you are still not ready for it or something like that no i think this doesn't have to go in it this is like a really honest kind of like question for you i think in my personal experience Mm -hmm. uh studying art doesn't really 
هذه هذه فريز ات ام اي جامبينج سم وات لاينز لايك جامبينج سم لاينز يا اور لايك يو نو يو نو وات اي مين لايك اي نو وات يو مين ذير ثريش هولدز يا اند اي ثينك وين يو ستدي ارت you're not going to any lines like it feels like you're doing yeah. going from any lines because you're studying it and i'm qu- making like air quotes studying it because in reality is not really like that it's like you you have to do stuff uh-huh. and you have to do stuff by yourself and if you do stuff by yourself and you start showing that to the world that's the that's the lines you're following uh-huh. mm-hmm. i don't think there's like and also like at, at some levels yeah people really expect some stuff like that but there's a lot a lot of successful artists mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. didn't study art mm-hmm. or they didn't don't have their masters yeah, yeah yeah or like yeah or people involved or people and, involved and, like, it doesn't have to be artists like other people mm-hmm. yeah yeah Okay, so one of the things that I've been thinking about in the terms of what's been going on with my life lately mm-hmm. or currently uh, is how I started to relating differently to my limitations and how that's been really uh, helpful to to just do things. Okay. That makes me just like relate to things and just do them. limitation as as in skills or as in like uh like um everything everything, everything. Mm-hmm. yeah like uh, my reach and mm-hmm. my skills and my knowledge budget budget yeah. yeah and how that just makes me be more grounded in in knowing like okay so this is what i have mm-hmm. and this is what i can do or i would like to do with it and and i think it's about that more than than about um uh, a threshold right like right. recognizing where you stand and what you can do with it or what you want to do with it and doing it i think i think it's there's a lot of value in recognizing your present capabilities mm-hmm. or or reach but i think that that should never be detrimental right i mean mm-hmm. that should be almost only for you to realize and and to be aware mm-hmm. self-aware mm-hmm. and then move on but like if you you know if if, if that's gonna stop projects coming mm-hmm. from for you mm-hmm. i mean i don't understand that right because every time that you do something you learn something even if it was not a success you know And I think the thing is like maybe limitations seems like a like a negative mm-hmm. word but maybe seeing it more like like in a sense like what constrains you is at the same time the tools that you have. Mm-hmm. And honestly in your particular case the fact that you were not involved in this you didn't study this you mm-hmm. just arrived one day and then you're like I want to do this it was pretty fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Like it means like you don't have all this kind of ideas of art as something that is hyper serious right or like you know like doing this can break your career uh-huh. or that kind of yeah, stuff mm-hmm. yeah that, you know? in that sense is really freeing for sure yeah, not having yeah. to think about mm-hmm. oh shit maybe i'll be fired if i do this or whatever you know mm-hmm. yeah. not like that not like that but more in in, in the sense of like oh uh, there's only one right way to do it you know 
more in that more in that in that sense not at all especially if if what you want to do is is uh, a space for for artists to do what they want mm-hmm. <laughs> the more i think about what you just said about the limitations and the barriers i think that is really true because you know all, all those things that um are kind of like limiting for me Th- those things really prevent me from doing exactly the same as anybody else that is involved in this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So I think that, that, yeah, there's some value in that for sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 And and like the freshness, like Raul said, like those, that, the, that sense of limitation kind of gives a, a sense, a, like a, a particular approach mm-hmm. to things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's exactly what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> um what are your plans for the near future? What are you guys thinking? Plans for the near future? Oh, we we're planning a quest to the kind of known unknown of Mexico City. All right. Yeah, we're going to go to Mexico City and try to hang out with uh cultural workers in there. Yeah. And uh just try to reconnect with uh, that part of ourselves with the roots with the roots with the yeah. roots do, do you feel like you became like an artist artist in Canada yeah okay 100% so like you don't really know what's going on in Mexico and you I know yeah because I have internet no but no, I don't no, know no, no. what's going on in Mexico like how are you going to react oh, in Mexico as know. an artist oh yeah mm-hmm. that I mm-hmm. have no mm-hmm. idea no idea because it's a very different climate yeah it's pretty like, hot like exactly like weather wise but also weather political wise. and social wise yeah and just like just like people is yeah quite different culture yeah and going back to labor mm. it's nearly impossible to live on a minimum wage in Mexico mm, absolutely exactly no, I can't yeah like if you want to do art and live with a minimum wage I mean I don't know, like, probably, yeah, it's going to be pretty hard. No, I mean, you need to bring your Canadian bucks. You have to bring your Canadian money. Yeah. Um, no, but it's true that uh, it's going to be quite interesting to try to see what people in Mexico is doing. Mm-hmm. And especially, there's something happening in Montreal that is nice. Yeah. And there's, like, this uh, energy and motivation to do stuff here. And it's gonna be nice to try to adapt that to what's happening in Mexico. Yeah, and I think I think that's the, the part that we jumped, the yeah. part where where we wanted to talk about mm-hmm. Montreal mm-hmm. As, as an as an artist or as an art hub. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can we oh, do yeah. that quickly? Yeah, very quickly. You're gonna edit this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 so uh, you or me? Uh, I'll, I'll follow you. Okay, so there's something uh, really nice about Montreal that I'm not sure that a lot of cities have, mm. which is um, you can find a job that is no so demanding and mm. is giving you enough money in order to live and being able to do art. It's going to be hard and it's going to be, uh, you're going to be tired. But it's possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not the perfect condition, but it's going to be possible. I think if we try to translate the same situation into Mexico, if you're in a, in a in a job that doesn't pay too much and you also want to do art 
I think that in that case is going to be nearly impossible. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing in Mexico is that a well-paid job, uh, quoting, quote unquote, quote unquote, mm-hmm. is a very shitty paid job. Like, uh, yeah, mm. and a well-paid job. When you go out of work, you're gonna continue working. Yeah, it yeah. requires more It's gonna time. be very demanding. Yeah. So I think here there's a culture of work that's very respectful of your time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that's yeah that helps to do your own thing. Yeah. Yeah. The culture the culture of uh, the, the workers' right mm-hmm. is big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. For sure. And there's something that I think we should say when we're trying to talk about labor mm-hmm. in general. And uh, we talk about our condition here. Uh, it could pretty easily sound as as if we were complaining. Yeah. When in reality is we just commenting on it because mm-hmm. I don't think I think it's pretty hard to be in Montreal, knowing or having living lived in other places and complain. Here is pretty mm-hmm. like uh, there's always you could always complain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But my point is. Uh, This is an exceptional city. It has It's, it has some advantages that it, it they're not in in other places. And being a student here, also in my case and your case for mm-hmm. a long time, it's also a, a it's also great. You can yeah. find jobs. You have a lot of advantages. Uh, Canada is amazing to immigrants too, mm-hmm. like compared to a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking in comparison. We're talking yeah, in comparison. Yeah, like it's not like an <laughs> absolute. Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, and we're talking from our experience. Also, well. yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 we're not. Yeah, we're not talking about that. Like everyone. No, but now let's talk about something even more specific, which is like the art community. And in terms of, for instance, you know, all the type of galleries, all the type of spaces that artists have access to to show, and what kind of opportunities do you? you have? I think that Montreal is also ex- exceptional in that too. It's not a really big city. Mm-hmm. So in proportion, mm-hmm. it has a lot of art. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of things, like I'm studying art education. And in art education, there's usually an approach to art that's not always in the same agenda as most contemporary art. Uh, and even if it's that's not my main interest, in in terms of art i'm so happy that there's spaces for that that like there's a lot of community centers where people from a lot of different ages can can make art and show art and and it's important it's very important to not only make art but also having a space to show art um, yeah mm-hmm. uh, i i really appreciate that yeah it could always get better of course But it's but think, it's, yeah. it's our but duty. Yeah, yeah, it's coming. I guess like it's it's mm-hmm. working towards it. Yeah, yeah. Like, like we have friends from Mexico, artist friends that come to visit, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I would say like most of them are quite impressed yeah. about the the amount of places. I haven't I haven't really met anybody mm-hmm. who comes from elsewhere that say oh in where i am it's better mm-hmm. i mean i, I probably yeah. haven't met too many people from elsewhere but for instance like i don't know even even new york mm-hmm. and london like it's it's very different it's it's, it's very it's, it's so huge i think the <laughs> sense yeah. of community is like, here is exactly, also great exactly it's, mm-hmm. it's very There's controlled it's like very controlled 
Uh, no, control. It's, it, it's very, it's through your reach. It's manageable. It's manageable. That's what I mean. I mean yeah. And also, like, there's, there's like smaller communities that are very well organized to make th the things they need happen. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and that's great. I think we're, we're lucky. Yeah, I think so too. Honestly, I think, I think so. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I could tell you that I have a full time job and, It's not like amazingly paid, but it pays enough so that I can just run all these other things on the side. And yeah. mm -hmm. I, I feel really, really grateful and really privileged to be able yeah. to, you know, just be part of all these things, you know. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And then going back to to what I was saying before, that art is not only art fairs and not like this glamour mm -hmm. of like the art market yeah. and yeah. yeah. Uh, I agree with you in that. Mm -hmm. I really, I really appreciate the other side of things. Yeah, I expose myself to a couple of those events where it's more. Yeah, exactly. Hmm? Uh, <laughs> expose myself. <laughs> <laughs> Raúl is making a gesture of like showing my genitalia yeah. to everybody when I said expose myself. More than uh, more your body than more my body. Your abs. Oh, uh, all right, all right. Then that that's what I do most of the time. Your beautiful body. <laughs> Um, and I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm still very, um, romantic mm -hmm. in, in thinking about art, but I'm not really, um, attracted to those things. I'm not attracted to those things. I, I prefer the other side of really like being with the artists at the same level. Like that's what I really like. I mm -hmm. don't really enjoy so much doing the other thing. I think a month ago we were having a discussion yeah. and a friend was complaining a lot about those kind of things. And what I was thinking is like, when you're trying to find art, mm -hmm. maybe those are not the places to look for it. No, mm -hmm. no, no. And that's no, the thing. No. And, yeah. and they're offering something and they're offering something that is probably also pretty nice for yeah, the community yeah, yeah, no, and I, everything. It's just, that's not the optimal place. No, but to I think it, I, it, it really depends who you are. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, if you're an artist, you won't go to a fair to see what's up. Like, yeah. you probably no. go to studios or something, you know, like to talk to, to, to artists or something like that. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're a collector and maybe you're busy with your life and you want like a super fast, you know, introduction to it and, and also an overview of what's happening in the city or something. Yeah, I mean, sure. You go <laughs> to one of those things and whatever they show you is going to be quality, quality work because mm -hmm. it's... You know, it's 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 probably people who have been chosen by a committee or or, or a gallery or something that normally have filtered. some filters. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. So I don't I don't blame anything. It's just that really it depends on what kind of things are you interested. The level of depth that you like to have mm -hmm. in the conversations. The level of commitment that you have. How much time do you want to spend talking about it, thinking mm -hmm. about it. And I think that it's valid for everybody. It's just that what you choose whatever goes with you. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I, I think I've said a couple of things against it. So I, I just like that may sound against it. I, I'm not. Like I, I think it's I think it's great in a lot of senses. But I think it could be like dangerous or not so much beneficial for art in some ways. Like for example, I feel that this like boom of art fairs has also uh, affected art in a way that there's like a homogenization of art. Like a lot art all over the world 
not all of it, not, but all over the world you can find artworks that look alike. And that's not necessarily a good sign. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that's going to happen, that people from different extremes in the world are going to have a similar idea or the same idea and, and do it the same way. And I love those, those coincidences. But it, it's gotten to a point where it's not a coincidence, where it's, we really need to protect heterogeneity. Yeah, I well, I, I have two, two comments on that. Like one is that I think that I don't think it's chance. I mm -hmm. think everybody's looking at the same things, like yeah, Instagram totally. and all those things, you know, mm -hmm. everywhere. Yeah. And then the second thing is that I recently heard a comment that it was pretty interesting to say that as a collector, like these days it's really hard to be a good collector, mm -hmm. really, really hard. Because before it was a, it was a pleasure, it was a, a privilege to be able to buy a Picasso mm -hmm. or a Dali or whatever. And these days there's so much <laughs> that you don't really know when you did, you know, like when you contributed to something good or when you didn't, which, you know, it's, it's up for, I don't know who to decide that. Yeah. But, you know, uh, those Time, are the kind of maybe? things. I don't know. It's Not really even. hard to really think yeah. about that. And, and I, I, I get confused, honestly. Me too. The way that my brain works sometimes is just too square and too pragmatical and too schematical so that, you know, you put categories on things and then you think about them and then you grade them or do something. But it doesn't work like that in arts. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just very, it's just very subjective. It's just very, and you know, yeah. We I can guess have like, this conversation for hours. That mm -hmm. I, I guess the way of like avoiding that is just not going to just one, yeah, kind of show. Yes, yes, exactly. And I that that's why I really like about Montreal that it offers very different levels of commitment and mm -hmm. to. Uh -huh. levels of, of things, you know, and, and mm -hmm. I think I really like that because all of them are important. I think all of them are important. Yeah. And, and I think that the fact that even studios can be open for people to visit, like that's super like interesting and that's really rich, you know, I think totally. that that's, that's a very important thing that is, that happens here. And, um, yeah, so I think, uh, I believe, I believe in what we're doing. I do. I mean, in, in very, like, little ways, I think that things are, you know, moving forward. And, like, I always consider this. I always consider that I, I get to things when they are not cool anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in the forefront of things, you know. And so the fact that I'm here doing this and that it seems like it's like a new wave or like a revamping of a wave that happened probably in the 70s. Mm -hmm. It talks about commitment and it talks about the, the permeability of art in culture, permeability of art in society, mm -hmm. which I consider myself part of just that society, you know? So which means that art is getting there. Art is, is, is getting leaked into other, you know... And I think that's great. Yeah, I, I think love so it. too. Yeah. 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 So thank you so much for, <laughs> for talking. And uh, I'm super excited to see what happens on Friday. I love you guys. And I love you too, Mark. Oh. <laughs> and uh, thanks. No, thank you. It was really nice. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, thanks a cool. lot. Yeah. Okay, so that was my conversation with Raul Aguilar and Marcela Borges. I told you it was personal, right? Yeah, I mean, I've known them since a long time ago. Um, I won't go back, but even before I came to Canada, I knew Raul. And then soon after I came to Canada, I met uh, Marcela. So, yeah, there, there's history there for sure. 
and I think you can tell. Again, uh, you are very welcome to pass by whenever you want to check out the show uh, at Tap Art Space, and the website is tapmontreal.com, T-A-P Montreal.com. And the website for this podcast is intothispodcast.com. Uh, don't forget to visit us and to leave a comment if you can. So this episode was edited and produced by me, Mark Stris Wilson. Music, mixing and mastering was done by Arcadia Lance. And the visual design was done by Victor Garibay. So thanks again for listening. And I will come back soon with a normal episode of Into This Podcast. Have a nice beginning of the summer and I'll talk to you soon. Cheers.